Good morning, church. Morning, Chinese. We're reading from Romans chapter 11. Oh, no, chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his only Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are in accord with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Praise God. So we're continuing with our series this year is a, a year of ever increasing faith at Redeemer Coast. Do I hear an amen? Amen. amen. As, uh, Paul, as Paul said to uh, the Thessalonians, he said, I, I'm glad that I noticed that you're abounding in love. Yep. And so, you know, we talked a little bit on love last year and, and consequently we just see people bounding around. So if you see anyone bounding around in love, then that's because they're obedient to that word. You're bound in love and you have an ever-increasing faith. It's good news we're going to have an ever-increasing faith. It means we never get to uh, to peak. We always can grow. Bring a bit closer. I think that's, that's about as close as I can get. Use the handheld. It means where we are now is not where... Do I need to start again? <laughs> I was wondering why no one laughed at my joke and I understand that. <laughs> so we, uh, <laughs> we can always grow. Yes. We're never there. And that's why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's no condemnation in faith. You are where you are, you walk according to that and you grow. Amen. The next level. So where we are today is not where we'll be tomorrow. Yeah. Amen? Amen. It's not where we'll be next week. Amen. Aren't you thankful? Yes. Aren't you faithful that there's grace and faith for the trials you've got today? Yes. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. The trials you've got tomorrow will look after themselves, Jesus said. You'll have <laughs> faith and grace for that. Yes. So we're growing in faith, and this series we've got now is called Reasons or Foundations, not Reasons, Foundations for a Strong Faith. So Margaret has got a booklet over there. You can give one, one to Miss Dawn there. Yes and uh, any other guests and we're up to we're converting we're transitioning now from study number five to study number six this is for you to take notes and uh, we're transitioning from um, what was study number five we are righteous we're made righteous to the enemy is defeated 
And uh, we are going to look, as you would know, we're using the same scripture um, as a foundation scripture as we did last week. And um, that's right, it's good, that's a good sign. I'll autograph one of that for you afterwards. <laughs> if you can find one that's not autographed, it's worth a fortune. <laughs> and um, Romans chapter 8 uh, is very central. Uh, it's really probably central, one of the most central chapters in the Bible. As you will be aware, it was written by Paul to the church in Rome. He'd never been to Rome. And he wanted to go to Rome, and so he wrote this theological thesis, and it's one of the great legal documents of, of history, and certainly one of the great legal documents of the, um, of the New Testament. Not that God is legalistic, but the devil is. And we need to know where we stand on things, and so he explained uh, he begins the first few chapters really uh, leaving no foundation for anyone to think they have any chance of self-righteousness or any chance of approaching to God by their own goodness, be it Jew or Greek or Gentile or whatever. And then he talks about the futility and the frustration of trying to earn your way to favour with God or to righteousness. And then he talks about what Christ came and did for us and then he, he opens the um, Romans 8 1 with therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus it's definitive yeah. the reason we read from the uh, NASB 2020 version is he says there is now no, no condemnation not at all not any so this class of being for those who are in Christ this new class of being has a no condemnation status that's where we are now now it's a proclamation of our emancipation from sin we're going to look a little bit later at Philippians uh, chapter 2 at the proclamation of Satan's defeat in uh, using that terminology, and the reason I said it was a legal document, uh, is that in, in the summer, sorry, in the winter of um, 1862, which, uh, who can I pick on? <laughs> which I remember. <laughs> 1862, uh, and the, the civil, 1862, not, I don't remember 1962, I wasn't there in 1962, just for the record. All right. But in 1862, uh, the Civil War was uh, underway in the United States. So this is the North versus the South. Not the War of Independence against uh, Great Britain, but the Civil War. And Abraham Lincoln, who was uh, the then uh, President of the United States, and uh, especially the President of the North, or the, what they call the Union, is that right? For my Americans. And uh, the Union States, he had a problem which he needed to resolve. And that problem was, is that as they were taking territory off the Confederates, slaves, they were taking over uh, the towns and, and properties where slaves were. And so in the fall of 1962, he penned the um, 
first part of what the Americans call the Emancipation Proclamation. And it was a legal document which came into force, he signed, and it came into the forces of the 1st of January, 1863, proclaiming liberty to any slaves that were freed in any battle or in any territory that the Union armies took. And it was this document, the Emancipation Proclamation, that inspired the Union's army, that riled the Confederates up and that lifted slaves from a status of slavehood to freedom. So much so that when, when there were three and a half million slaves in the South at that stage, and, and, and as the armies went through, they, they got wind of this, uh, this Emancipation Proclamation because the slaves didn't know what was going to happen to them as the Union armies took over their towns. And they showed them the copy of this and they said, you're free. And wind got news of it, traveled down further south, so much so that thousands and thousands of, 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 uh, of slaves left their, left their tools and fled by night and fled through, through, the, uh, through the, um, the battle lines to Union territory where they were declared and given freedom. And then as the armies went through and each, 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 town the slaves got their freedom over over over, over 200,000 of the slaves chose by their own will to become unlisted volunteers in the northern armies to go and free their brothers and sisters all because this legal document was drafted agreed upon and signed by Abraham Lincoln called the Emancipation Proclamation. I'm going to read some of it to you. On this, the first day of January in the year of our Lord, 1863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of any state, the people whereof then are, which are in rebellion against the United States, shall be then, thenceforth, and forever free. And the executive government of the United States, including the military and the naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons, and will do no act or acts to repress such persons or any of them in any effort to take or to make or support them. Romans 8 is God's emancipation proclamation from sin. It holds in it the most staggering promises and our flesh shrinks from it. And the Bible warns that your flesh, your flesh will, will shrink from it. It's such a bold, unilateral, all-covering statement. Where he says, therefore, now there is no condemnation for anyone who not at all, not at all, any condemnation in anything for anyone who is in Christ. Which is good news. 
news for those of us who have given our life to the Lord. Yes. It's bad news for those who haven't. But it's God's bold declaration. And the reason he says is because the sin, it's the, the, the scriptures say, God condemned sin in the flesh. He passed judgment on sin in the flesh. Sin is a force. Sin is a force of evil that brings death. The wages of sin, Romans says, is death. And it's the force of evil that Satan uses to wreck death and havoc in our life through guilt, shame, condemnation, sickness, disease, fear. But the Bible says God judged sin in the flesh. And if he's judged sin, that means he took sin, he put it on Christ for us. And if that is done, then there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None at all. Pastor Grant, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. <laughs> I don't want to know what you've done. You don't want to know what I've done. <laughs> I can tell you this. It's been judged. And we have now no condemnation. And then it says the spirit of life in Christ sets us free. The law of the spirit of life in Christ sets us free from the law of sin and death. So there's a principle, the law that means principle, or an eternal spiritual truth a must have. This must happen that if you're under sin, you suffer death. And death means spiritual death, but it also means guilt, shame, condemnation. It means sickness. It means disease. It means all those things. It means fear. All those things are part of this, a symptom of death. And But it says, the scriptures say, that the spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of the spirit of life in Christ. It was a proclamation. It was a declaration that God made when he rose Christ from the dead. The Bible says, because of our justification, or when we were justified, Christ rose from the dead. Mm. Sin was condemned in the flesh. The law of the spirit of life in Christ, a new law began operating on our behalf. A new principle, a spiritual principle of life began operating on our behalf. If we walk, if we choose to walk in it, it's interesting in this uh, 1863 proclamation of Abraham Lincoln that he says, the slaves, if they so choose, if they so choose freedom, if they choose, then the armies of the North will defend their right to it. How good is that? If we choose to walk in the freedom we have in Christ today, God's armies will defend that right. He'll yeah, defend it. The spirit of the life in Christ. What is this law of the spirit of life in Christ? What does it mean? There's, there's something about being in Christ where the Holy Spirit brings the life that God has into our being, into our heart, into our emotions, 
into our body and brings life. It oozes and starts becoming the nature of God through us. As long as we choose to walk in it, yeah. his nature, his character, his power, his strength starts to ooze from us. It starts to change the way we look. That's why I'm so much better looking now than what I was. I know that's hard to believe. And I'll be better looking. That's why you look good. Look around you. That's why we've got such beautiful people. That's why you, this church, we're known as the good-looking church. Who reads their Bibles? Who reads their Bibles? A chapter a day, five days a week. That's, oh, you're that church. You're the good-looking church. Yeah, because we have grace. Grace means good-looking. We, uh, years ago, were pastoring, and uh, we, we got um, contacted by, I got contacted by two ladies phoned, and they said they have a friend who is in a, um, in a, um, a um, mental ward at uh, Calvary Hospital in um, Canberra and she's strapped to the bed and she's being uh, they're giving her uh, electric shocks for she got there from such uh, mental oppression and depression because she was a very strong Catholic and she went through a divorce and the guilt and the shame uh, that she carried on that uh, brought her down she started to fear and hate herself and hate her life and she ended up strapped to this bed in the mental ward of Calvary Hospital getting uh, electric shock therapy so two ladies from the church went and shared with her and um, then they said they, they phoned me and, and she gave her life to the Lord on the bed and they, they come me and they said well what do we have to do I said you don't have to do anything I said just share with her the gospel tell her what's happened to her I said the life of Christ will start to be manifest in her so the first Sunday they brought her to church and she walked in at like a zombie. They got permission for her to be left. I think she gave her life to the Lord on Friday or the Saturday. They got permission to take her out of the hospital and she walked in and she was like this. This lady's like 30. She's walking like this and she's just like a zombie. And she sat and we preached the gospel and told her the good news about this law of the spirit of life of Christ that was now in her. She heard it. She took it in. She believed it. She went back. They took her back on Sunday, back to the hospital. On Tuesday, they released her. Tuesday, they released her. And to see her over the next weeks and months, just find out who she was in Christ, the life of God. There is no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. I don't care what you've done, whether it was last week, whether it was a year ago, whether it was this morning. If you're in Christ Jesus, if you receive the grace that he's offering you, if you receive the power, then the Lord, the spirit of life in Christ that's in you, will give you victory over the law of sin and death. And it will grow. Jesus said we expect things to go like that and sometimes they do go like that and that's wonderful but Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a seed it grows it just grows and it will grow over time so Diane it grew over time the kids next week she came to church <laughs> she brought her kids and the kids have been through a horrific couple of years and, and my, my, my mother little Gwyneth she's like this she, this high you remember Gwyneth she had grey hair and the sweetest thing and, um, and she was serving up uh, coffee and morning 
tea and their kids come up and she said, sweetie, would you like a cookie? And they said, no, F and F, this and that. They just went off better like this. But they all gave their life to the Lord over the next six months. Yeah. The spirit of the life of Christ went in that way. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can't out-sin the power of the blood of Jesus. Yes. And I'm not talking about people that takes, you know, that just sort of, the Bible talks about treading on the blood of Jesus. But, but uh, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and your heart's towards him, then, then there is no hold that sin has on you now. John G. Lake was a missionary in the South Africa around the turn of the last century. And he went in there when the plague, plague was going through South Africa. And he, he was very fervent. Uh, you can admire John G. Lake for his faith if you ever read anything. And there's some, some good YouTube uh, videos of his books being, being uh, orated. And uh, some of his theology, you know, some of my theology last week wasn't that good. It's a bit better this week. But some of this theology, you know, that, you know, but he, but he, he had faith in the life of God in him, and so he'd minister healing. He'd run clinics and minister healing in the midst of the plague, and and when when no one else would go into plague-infested ships, he'd go into plague-infested ships, and he'd minister, he'd minister prayer, and he'd minister to those who were dying, and he'd raise up many of them who were sick. And they pulled him aside one time. They said, how did you not get TB? He said, I've got the spirit of the life of Christ in me, which overcomes the law of sin and death. He said, watch this. And he, he, he got, they got the phone from, from a, a body that died of tuberculosis or died of the plague. They got the phone and they put it, it, the, the phone you know, from the mouth that was full of the bacteria. They put it on two petri dishes, two glass dishes, and he held one and he put it under the microscope and while he was holding it, the, the, the bacteria died. And the other one stayed alive. And it's, not, it's not a mystery. It's that the spirit of the life of Christ is in us. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ. And if we're willing to believe and act on it, it'll it'll come to pass in our life. So Romans 8 is the declaration of our freedom from sin. Mm -hmm. And uh, it will throw us, but it's worth writing it up on our toilet door. It's worth putting it on the fridge. And it's worth getting up every morning and look at it and go, there is no condemnation in me for I'm in Christ. And the spirit of the life in Christ in me overcomes the law of the spirit of death and sin. It's in me. I walk in it. I have that life. And it'll come to pass. It'll start to grow in you. You hear it. You'll start believing it. The Holy Spirit works in you for life. Your family. Your job. Your health. Your wisdom. You get wisdom. I need wisdom. Anyone need wisdom? <laughs> I need the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. It's the spirit. It's not powered by what we do. It's not powered by, by uh, how good we've been. It's powered by what Christ did for us. The spirit of the life of Christ is in there. The Holy Spirit wants us to be the energizer bodies, bunnies of the spiritual world. And to just keep going. All right? And we all face 
criticism and condemnation and fear. We all face it. That's because we're in the flesh. But we look at it and say, I'm sorry, I've got the Emancipation Proclamation here. And read it to the devil. And read it to the flesh. Look, it says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I refuse condemnation. I refuse to condemn myself. I refuse to condemn others. I refuse to work in walk in fear. I refuse to let guilt dominate me. I walk in forgiveness. I walk in love. I walk in victory. Yeah, that's good. We have our emancipation proclamation. Now the second verse, which is transitioning us to the next chapter, is from two. to Colossians. Colossians 2. We'll start reading from verse 6. You can keep that up there, that's fine. So this is God's proclamation of Satan's defeat. You know, there's a lot of teaching going around the church, and I understand a lot of it's good meaning, but that we battle Satan. We don't battle Satan. He, he, he'd like to, us to think that we do. We exercise Satan's defeat. Yes. We walk in the victory. The Bible says we war against flesh and blood. I know that. But then it talks about, it talks about after that, the beliefs that we're to have and that the battle is in what you believe. I'll talk more about it. Here we go. In verse 6, Colossians 2, verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, your Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, world and not according to Christ. For in him the fullness of, of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Mm. i just stop there for a minute. Is not that saying that there's going to be some philosophy and empty deceit going around amongst Christians which is going to steal from them the understanding of the victory that Christ won over Satan. Is that not what that is saying? That's a rhetorical question, but feel free to nod your head. (laughs) He's saying, see to it that no one takes you captive to any philosophies and empty deceits according to human traditions. Do you know what Jesus said to the Pharisees? He says, you add tradition to the word of God and therefore nullify its power. So there's traditions about what's happened to Satan and and, and what happened to him and, and how we deal with him, which is empty and powerless. And people, well-meaning people, they get carried away. You know, I, when I first got to baptize the Holy Spirit, I was at Assemblies of God Church, and, and that was in the time where, where Satan was under every rock, and the devil's under and Anyone lived through that time when every second rock on the way into the building, there was a devil? And he's in everything, and we spent half the service glorifying the, the power of the devil and talking about all the horrible things he's done, and we're all very afraid about him. And he says, here's, it, it, there's 
empty philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition. And it's not according to Christ. It's not according to what Christ has done. For in him, the fullness of the deity uh, dwells bodily. And you have been filled with him. You have been filled in him. What happened to Jesus happened to us. We were supposed to die on the cross to our failings and our sin and, and our shortcomings. And we were supposed to lay them down there. And then we're supposed to rise with him. His fullness, his fullness of God is to dwell in us. In him you were circumcised. This is good news. With circumcision, we talked about having circumcision service this morning, didn't we? For people who love the law, you know. You know those ones who love the law? And Apostle Paul says, you might as well go and get circumcised. So we thought, we'll have baptism service. And then if they don't surrender self-righteousness, we'll have circumcision service. We'll see how many self-righteous there are amongst us. And uh, I just couldn't find any volunteers. Paul said, if you, if you start to do it, you might as well go all the way and mutilate yourself. If you think the righteousness or any standing before God, but I think we, well, we thought we'd take a vote on it. Do, do we have a vote for circumcision service? Okay, no takers. Right. You were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, the putting off the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. We were raised with him. As far as God, this is God's emancipation proclamation. We were raised with him. Through the powerful working of God from the dead. And you, when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses, trespasses, cancelling the record of death that stood against us with all its legal demands. Cancelled. Cancelled. And he set it aside and he nailed it to the cross. And then it says this, he disarmed yes. the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame triumphing over them in it. He disarmed. Satan is disarmed. The forces, the weapons, the weapons that Satan have are deceit. They're to get you afraid. They're to bring you under legalism. He goes on to say, he says, let, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or regard to festival or a new moon. He's saying, don't get caught up with this idea that there's something you can do to make you more righteous. Satan's defeated. You were raised with him. Ephesians says that we are seated with him in heavenly places, uh, far above all powers and authorities, principalities and power. It doesn't say that, we, that Satan will be defeated if we can just get enough people to pray. Now, maybe I'm praying, but maybe somehow if two people pray or three or four or five or six or 20 or 2,000 
or maybe we get a million people to pray, then Satan, and we call it spiritual warfare. Why? I don't know. Why you carry warfare of that sort on against someone who is defeated? Or we think that we might just walk around this city. Uh, everyone walk around once. That didn't walk. Work. Let's walk around twice. Or maybe we walk around three times. Maybe we need more people. I mean, it sounds silly, but it's, it, this is what we call spiritual warfare. That somehow, if we lift our hands high enough, because Moses did, that, that, that no, he was defeated. He was defeated. And his power was stripped from him. And we have authority in Christ Jesus over any oppression, depression, recession, and any other sessions that come against us to speak and act like we have authority. Yeah. Just believe and act on the Word of God in case it's true. It might just be true. It may be that what God says, He means it. It may be He doesn't care one iota what we feel or how spiritual we think we are. If Christ rose from the dead, we rose with him. Yeah. In the um, last days of World War II, which you'll remember, Paul. <laughs> in the last days of World War II, uh, the Nazi government released what they were hoping to be was their final weapon. It was the, um, uh, it was the V2 bomb. The V2 bomb was a jet. It was the first, uh, it was a jet, very, it was very crude, really, but it was the first time they'd ever attached it. It was a missile, a jet. But... That one, then. <laughs> and uh, so it could fly long distance and it was very random. They really couldn't determine where where it would land. And so, and so Hitler and the Nazis knew that the V-2 bomb wasn't going to win them the war, but the fear that the V-2 bomb created might win them the war. Because they couldn't actually, they just set it and just went, shh, there's a little gyroscope that kept it spinning, sort of kept it level and it went in and, and it went over, over France and over the English, English Channel and then in, into England and it just dropped wherever it dropped. And exploded and they sort of aimed it and they set enough fuel to try and reach the cities and great fear and trepidation started to occur amongst the British for this, this V2 bomb and he could produce them they were they, they just lit the fuse and <laughs> away it went and in the initial days it looked like he could turn the tide of the war the fighter pilots were having the great fighter pilots that that, you know, and if this empire will last a thousand years, men will say this was our finest hour. The great final parts that won that never before in the history of human endeavor. There's so much been done for so many by so few. Something like that. Anyway, that's so few were the were the were the, were the British Air Force, and they'll have trouble troubleshooting down these V2 bombs. They just they fly straight ahead, and they didn't have many mechanical moving parts, and they had to hit them spot on on the on the end. To, and they were having trouble, and they only had like uh, 90 seconds or two minutes of bullets. These, these Spitfires and the Hurricanes. And one pilot uh, was chasing one of these bombs, and was 
a small target and got frustrated and spent all these bullets after him. And he pulled up alongside this V2 bomb and the V2 bomb was there and the pilot, and I think he was in a Spitfire, he was flying alongside it and just he was just going to watch to see where it would go down and which town it would hit and explode. And then he had this little out of frustration, he lifted his wing over the wing of the V2 bomb and he just tapped it. tap it harder and so he went boom, on the wing and the V2 bomb they flipped the gyroscope and went bang into a paddock going down and so the British pilots worked out that this great threat was really a little pussycat and from then on all they did is they just intercepted it they flew alongside and tap <laughs> tap on the wing you know and it went straight down the Bible says that Satan goes round as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have reason to have faith today because Satan has been defeated. Yeah. We are in a battle. Um, but we don't, uh, and, and our spiritual war, our, spir our weapons are spiritual, they're not carnal. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are spiritual. They're what we believe, they're what we say. They're spiritual weapons. It's not how many we get up or how far we walk around or how many days we go without food. None of those things will beat the devil. It's understanding the authority that we have in Christ. Taking that authority. Because the enemy has been defeated. We have a proclamation, an emancipation proclamation, that there is now, therefore now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we have a proclamation of Satan's defeat. It is a legal document. Yeah. It stands for eternity. We can quote it. We can wave it in front of the enemy. We can say, God has said that you're a defeated foe. Yeah. God has said when the voice of condemnation comes, God has said there's no condemnation. God has said that he condemned sin in the flesh. Therefore, I'm not condemned. Amen. Amen. And I know we all face trials. I know that. We fight, that's what we're in life. It's interesting. There's a verse just in uh, in Romans 8. Just that was the last verse that you read. It says, uh, the Spirit. What does it say? Quicken our mortal bodies. Yeah. What does it say? You read it to us, Chloe. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. Right. If the spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, which it's a rhetorical, this he does, then that same spirit will give life to your mortal bodies. Now, some theologians have said that's talking about the resurrection from the dead, but we're not going to have mortal bodies. We're going to be raised immortal. Yeah. Our mortal bodies are what we're in now. Yeah. That's our mortal bodies. And if the spirit... Who, who raised Christ dwells in us, he quickens our mortal bodies. That means the fears that we face, the Holy Spirit gives life to those. The health issues, the Holy Spirit brings life to those. Yeah. Our finances, the Holy Spirit gives life to those. We can have faith today because we have been declared righteous and Satan has been defeated. Amen. Right, let's close our eyes and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. 
We thank you, Lord, for your emancipation proclamation, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Father, we thank you that there's none not at all. There's no, you do not condemn us. You do not bring judgment. We thank you that we're free from condemnation, free from guilt, free from, free from shame through our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can have it. We have a strong foundation for faith when we fight the enemy because he is already yes. defeated and that you made an open show of him publicly, stripping him of all authority. He has no power over us. He's got no power over our family. He's got no power over our mind. He's got no power over our body. And we thank you. And we receive that and walk in that today. Jesus' name. All people said.